0: Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family and do our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. We have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Whitall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. Jeremy Johnson is our pastor of media and community outreach. My name is Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. You guys constantly send in good questions and we've got some more today just as a reminder of ways to turn those in. One is you could go to the website, myshbc.com slash contact. You could text 505-258-2076 or you could email podcast at myshbc.com. That's with the number three at the beginning. And the questions will always be kept anonymous. And uh, we have we had to take a little break, a little hiatus for a few weeks because of a lot of things going on. But we are pumped to be back. It, it is definitely. good to be back.
1: And I can't believe that when you sent us questions, this is episode 74. We've done 74 of these. That's it's awesome. Good. That's, That's like, one or two. Yeah. That's 200-plus questions. That's awesome. (laughs) It
0: is true, yeah. Yeah.
1: We answered at least probably
0: 10 of them, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) We're not claiming a high record, but yeah.
2: (laughs) And I want you to know, Jeremy and I have been here. It's you two guys that have been traveling
0: all over. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've tried to.
2: I usually come in here and sit down and get
1: going. And then I'm like, Oh, well, Daniel's <laughs> out of town again. So yeah. <laughs> waiting Randy's. for the
0: text. Um, <laughs> I'm gone again, guys. <laughs> okay. But I do
1: appreciate the lead in because Daniel and I did. Thankfully we have a church that has such a huge heart and missions heart. We got to go to Poland mm-hmm. uh, with a team of eight, there were a team of eight men and go and renovate a, a building that will house refugees and, is housing a, a new church. They actually got to have their first service there Easter Sunday morning. So uh, very, very thankful to our church, the way we, they just have this vision of, of making making sure the gospel gets to everyone, everywhere, and hopefully in time. And uh, we were very thankful that we got to do that. It was a great blessing.
0: And thankful there were eight, eight men. In this case, it was all men, but eight guys that were willing at a really short notice to be able to go. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a very short notice. Within two weeks, I think. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. From the time they called and asked if we could do it until we had to be purchasing tickets and sending in our passport information, it was less than two weeks. And so, uh, you know, just a, it just sort of reminded me a little bit of, you know, of Nehemiah when they were building the wall, you know, you, you, you kept a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. I mean, always being ready for whatever the Lord brings your way
2: and guys, uh, take real quickly. Uh, it is a continuing effort Mm -hmm. because we're also building relationships with Mm -hmm. members of our church, right? That, that,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. As far as the, so, um, some folks that are there on the field that are part of this church family uh, have for a while been doing conversational English with university students there in Poland. And now there's Ukrainians as well um, who are wanting to develop that skill for jobs and all kinds of things. And so, with that, even we got to do it while we were there yeah, in person, right. which was a huge privilege. But a lot of several of our church members here on a weekly basis online uh, through Skype and Zoom and that kind of stuff meet with these students to do conversational English and and they just have conversations. So they talk about all kinds of things, super normal everyday things, but there's it's not uncommon for them to also get into the gospel. That's right. And it's a really cool opportunity.
1: Yeah. So we got to do some of that with students there while we were there. And actually at least one member of the team got to meet in person some of the students he'd been doing internet conversations with for a while. So it was a it was a great time. Yeah, he was and that ministry, he was. Wasn't that. He? And that ministry is still going and available. So, you know, to our church family out there, if somebody's interested in that, contact me because I know they're always looking for, for folks who are willing to do that, to have just English conversations that hopefully lead to gospel conversations. That's
0: good. Yeah, that's good. That's great okay all right right. is it true
2: that you had to shut it down daniel was trying to teach boomer sooner (laughs) to get him to respond he
1: was nobody would respond right it it was great it was great just trying to you know just (laughs) trying to (laughs) it's cultural sooner nation you need to know this (laughs)
2: okay Okay. very important
0: daniel
1: would say cracker Yeah. (laughs) barrel
0: (laughs) oh man Mean, cannot gotta, escape that you
1: can't Daniel. it's going to follow <laughs> you around forever you're a punk <laughs> <laughs> we actually did one of our men took these pins oh yeah, of the yeah state yeah. of Oklahoma little just a little lapel pin to all of the students there and uh, and on it it said the sooner state and so that was actually one of the questions that came mm-hmm. up at least in my conversation yep. group was What's a sooner, and so you know, cheater? I, I, I had to tell him it's a person <laughs> who cheated, who jumped, who jumped the gun, went out there, got their land before the cannon went off. Now I will
0: say, Randy's especially eager to point this out <laughs> <laughs> as a cowboy fan. No mention. That's that, right. That's right. Well, so I'm anyway, not even it go was, there. But was <laughs> yeah, it was awesome.
1: You guys very better really move
0: along. Yeah. Okay, we actually have three questions we're supposed to do here. Let's yes, do and it. now
1: we have very little time to answer.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right, first question. This is from a teenager, and it is, what does Isaiah mean in chapter 65, verse 17? And here's the quote. For behold, I create I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Does Isaiah mean space, or does he mean where God lives with regard to heaven or the heavens? um then he goes on i also see in matthew 24:29 it says immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the heaven or fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken so is the current heaven imperfect and then he goes on one more i also see in uh quote Well, in Revelation 21, 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. What happened to the sea?
2: All right, man. First of all, I'm so thankful that we received questions from children, students, College, young, median, senior adults. I yeah. love that, and so thankful for that.
1: Completely renews my faith in this in the next generation. You I'm bet. thinking, you bet. wow, man, what wonderful awesome. question. Yeah.
2: Okay, first of all, we we need to understand that Scripture makes a distinction between when we read in Genesis one one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We need to make a distinction between that created and the dwelling place of God. And so whenever we sinned, whenever Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter three, all of creation was then marred. Mm -hmm. And so that includes the heavens, which would be what we would know of as the sky where the stars, the planets,
0: outer space. That's
2: right. Not the dwelling place of God. The dwelling place of God is not imperfect, but the heavens, there are, Mm -hmm. there are, um, and meteorites and things that are flying and colliding. I mean, yeah, we we hear about how our Earth is positioned in the only possible place to where it could actually because there is a lot going on up there. Yeah, things flying around, and so yeah. So uh, the sky is imperfect, but that's different from the dwelling place of God, which is perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So- no, I
1: th- I, com- I completely agree the whole point i think of of this is to remind us one that sin the the just the the tremendous devastating effect that sin has on everything not just the spiritual but also the physical mm-hmm. and and not just human anatomy but our sin when adam and eve turned and rebelled against god it was in a way like a shock wave that emanated out through all of creation, every the, the Bible says all of creation was marred by by sin, and you know even though we can look up at the night sky or we can look out at a green pasture, or we can look, and we can see beauty in it, mm. and I'm thankful for that because God is the author the of, of God, that's right. But what we see is nothing compared to what God created
0: it mm. to be in the beginning. That's, That's right. Good. In
1: the beginning, we're seeing a, an, a flawed, imperfect shadow of what's of what God created and of what will be. And, and even in the next creation, the new heaven and the new earth isn't going to look like anything that we'll recognize because what we've, the only thing we've ever seen is
2: a marred creation,
1: stained creation. That's correct. So when, when, when god is trying to explain or if there is word he's trying to help us see just a little bit of what the new heaven and the new earth will be when there's a a new creation that's sinless i think it's hard for us to grasp because we can only try to interpret that or filter that through what we know Um,
2: and so that takes us right into the his next question which is so what about the ocean or the sea I think where Randy's heading with that is it, the new heaven and new earth is not going to look like what we know now. I don't think 70% of the new earth will be covered by the ocean. The scripture says there will be no more sea. Now, we don't know exactly what all that means. But the way God created the sun and the ocean, the atmosphere, and the way they interact with one another – the ocean absorbs 90% of the heat from the sun. Otherwise, we would all cook. Well, in the new heaven and new earth, there is no sun.
1: That's right. God, the glory of God, it, it light is the lamb, the lamb's the lamp, the glory of God uh, illuminates all of creation. At that That's
2: point. right. And so with no more sun, is there a need then for 70% of the new earth to be covered by the ocean? You know, these are all questions we don't know. Right. But that may be, try to explain why, why the Bible says there is no more sea.
0: Yeah. And we know from Romans 8 that all creation is groaning and longing for uh, his return mm-hmm. and our, our full adoption as his sons, which includes men and women. But we all get that inheritance of the firstborn son. Um, but all, but it's not just us as believers that long for that literally the creation in some sort of sense is longing for it because the whole creation got affected.
1: That's right. Um, We know there's going to be a river of living water that flows out from the throne of God. There will be water. We know it talks about a crystal sea. Mm -hmm. So what that means and what that's actually going to look like, we can, to paraphrase the song only imagine that's right, but it's going to be spectacular and far beyond what, our, what, what we can imagine as the most beautiful thing possible will, be, will pale in, in comparison. And
2: that's a great point. Because remember, whenever we see a description of heaven in Revelation, that's putting it into words that maybe our finite minds could somehow <laughs> grasp, right. but it's not even the tip of the iceberg.
0: Yeah, right. it, it seems like there in Revelation, John is using the most extravagant language he can come up with. And just realizing that that's not going to fully capture it. That's right. It's um, like if
1: you'd have told Rembrandt he could only use a number two pencil. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just not gonna. Is not going to be the same. You're not going to be able to do those thi- to convey that imagery in a way that describes what you're actually getting to see. That's good. that's good.
0: Okay, next question. How did the Jewish leaders explain the temple curtain being torn in Matthew twenty seven fifty one? With the size of the curtain, it presumably would have taken a long time to remake, as they couldn't have just stitched it up since it must be one piece of fabric. So likely, there would have been questions. Also, see, people are sliding in kind of a second question yeah, we'll get here. Double you noticing questions that? Here. Also, it's interesting that we have the detail that the curtain was torn top to bottom. So likely, an eyewitness, one of the priests or the high priest must have gone and told that it happened
2: all right so we know that it happened at three o'clock in the afternoon that's when jesus died and uh, we know that the even the preparations for the evening sabbath mm-hmm. would have been taking place because it was passover
1: that's that's right yeah we know that and we also know you know just from stories of Zechariah and all that that every priest had a particular time slot each year where he served in the, in the temple. So Mm -hmm. there was a continual presence of priests in the temple area. Now in the Holy of Holies, only the high priest was permitted to enter. And then only once per year on Yom Kippur, Mm -hmm. the the day of Atonement. And, uh, and he was the only one allowed to enter into that five by five meter by five meter uh, basic room that had this enormous cover that 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 separated the rest of humanity from basic from the presence of God the the mercy seat of God so while th- this is a dynamic here that we're supposed to that I think we're supposed to look at in uh, both physically and spiritually yes that that veil physically it was a physical separation that was ripped and i believe purposefully from top to bottom mm-hmm. for two reasons one because if a human was going if humans were going to plot to tear the temple veil the way you would have done it was to have made a cut at the bottom and grabbed the corners and pulled mm-hmm. and tried to rip it from the bottom upward but the that from the up the top to the bottom would have been almost an impossibility for a human to do. But secondly, I think it was just symbolic again of God saying, this is me reaching out to you. And remember the, the, uh, you know, it was God in the heavens reaching down to man Mm -hmm. with, with grace and mercy. Right. And when the priest went in there, you remember, as we talked about the only thing that kept him from just being incinerated or dying was he went in with the blood of the, of the atoning lamb yeah and that blood was to be sprinkled on the mercy seat for the atonement of the sins of israel i mean you can't get more symbolic than the fact that just as jesus died was shedding his blood the veil was torn open the blood applied to the mercy seat of God Mm -hmm. once and for all, for all sins, for all mankind.
0: That is the gospel. That is it. And, and uh, as, as to the the question um, about how did, how did they explain that? We don't have a record of how they explained it, but it's not hard for us to imagine that they would have anytime. And this is true of the gospel today. When we get to share it with someone, honestly, it's true of us before we turn to Christ if we want to explain it away, we'll find a way. That's right. Um, and just like, just like those who, just like one thief on the cross uh, turned and one continued to mock. Just like, um, just like after the resurrection, there were those who who turned and there were the soldiers that were actually there when the stone rolled away and found a way to explain it. I mean, if we want to explain something something away, especially about the gospel, we'll find a way. And there's no doubt it's possible that the priests may have said, "Well, hey, did you guys notice all the earthquakes? Did you know all the earthquakes, all the chaos that was happening? We also had a, a rip in the veil, um, or something. Yeah, we just don't have a, yeah. an exact record." But you're exactly right. So I good.
1: mean, even today, you just look at all the efforts that are made to try to explain away creation. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a divine creator. Uh, men will always try to find a way to justify rebellion and unbelief. And, um, and, And I think that's probably exactly what would have happened there.
0: But also Acts six seven, Doug. Yeah. You were mentioning that.
2: Acts six seven is uh, it's right towards the end of all the sermons that have been done, and and uh, and the scripture says, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Specifically pointing out that priests were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and man, that would have been a huge step Mm -hmm. because there would have been a lot of pressure on a priest.
1: That's exactly right. Uh,
2: And so, yeah, we're confident that there would have been priests inside the temple at that point when the temple curtain tore. Uh, They would have been ministering. As Randy said, the, the, the candles had to keep burning. They had to keep providing oil Mm -hmm because that was symbolic of the presence of God and and so man they they wanted to make sure that that always stayed with it so there were priests in there they saw it happen and many of them came to faith which is awesome yeah yeah <laughs> it's His really prayer.
0: awesome to think about those yeah. details and people actually Having to confront those details. Yeah.
2: And you know, the guy who was uh, healed of blindness, I I hope I'm getting my stories right, guys in Acts. uh, And so they kept pressuring, okay, you need to tell us how this happened. I don't know. (laughs) All I know was, yeah, Yeah, I was was blind. blind. Now I see. And I think for some of those priests, okay, well, you need to tell us you were in there whenever it tore. How did it happen? I don't know. It was,
1: it was. Right then, it was three o'clock. Boom! Ripped. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> we just heard a big, loud noise and went in there.
0: And like, nails torn. Yeah, like what you were pointing out uh, when we were talking too. Like the sound of that would, would have just had to have been extremely loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it, uh, unbe- yeah uh, of course, unbelievably loud. But I agree. I, I I know there were people who tried to explain it away, but the fact that a great number of priests believed and and. Along those lines, we know, you know, in, in Revelations, it tells that there's going to be a time when there are going to be 144,000 converts during the tribulation period from Judaism, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. And I believe that's going to be a similar event. My belief, because of my views on when the millennium, uh, when the tribulation happens, is that when the church is raptured out, there are going to be a lot of these a lot of Jewish folks, a lot of them who are in who are now rabbis leaders who have always wondered or thought, and when the rapture happens, that's going to be the defining event that makes them believe now Jesus really was the Messiah. This that Passover event at the crucifixion was that same type of event for many priests, apparently there in Acts six, who believed he really that's is right. the Messiah.
2: I don't know how it happened, but I'm going to give you a heads up. You may need to find someone to take my time slot next <laughs> week right. to keep the <laughs> that's right. this may, this I may cost, not be here. It right. may cost me my job.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's, man, it really is fun to think about yeah. those things. Okay. Last question. We studied the names of God, specifically Yahweh in Hebrew, but as we continued to study variants on that name, it was, for example, Jehovah Shalom. Why that Greek to Hebrew combo instead of Yahweh Shalom, Hebrew to Hebrew?
1: Great
2: Ladies and gentlemen, question. Randy Whittle. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. Here great, it is. T- great <laughs> question.
1: We're
2: all just going to listen. I Daniel am- and I are going to step out now and yeah. head to lunch.
1: I actually sent this question in so <laughs> I could answer it. Uh, Smart. No, I did not. I did not. We do not send our own questions in. Uh, no, remember, as Pastor Doug shared when we were doing the series on the names of God. Yahweh in Hebrew is actually just four consonants. It's a yud vavhe. vav hey. There are no vowels in, in biblical Hebrew. And so pronunciation of a word now is really kind of a, a guess. Uh, you know, we really don't know. Couple that along with the fact that about the third century, a group of leading rabbis decided that just to be on the safe side in order to not run the risk of taking the Lord's name, Yahweh, His covenant name, in vain, it would just no longer ever be pronounced. Mm-hmm. And so, in place of Yahweh, they would, whenever they're reading the text in the synagogue, every time it would come to the covenant name of God, they just pronounce it Adonai. Mm-hmm. Even today, when I when when we were uh, when we were in Israel, folks, as they're reading, they still will say Adonai in place of that of the name of God. So what would happen over time was people trying to figure out how to pronounce it, they would just take the, four, the consonants of the tetragram of God's name and add the vowels from the word Adonai, and they came up with Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And then as Bibles began to be translated into other languages, people who are not Hebrew speakers pronounce it the way we would read those letters, and it becomes Jehovah, Jehovah. So really Jehovah is more just a Latinized pronunciation of Yahweh in the same way that if you go to Texas down on the South, you've got the city of Houston. But if you go to Georgia, that same town spelled exactly the same way is pronounced Houston. Uh, you know, <laughs> there are things that are pronounced different ways.
0: Miami, Miami. Miami
1: yeah. And then they say it <laughs> wrong in Florida. They say Miami, you know, and we and we know it's Miami. Uh, but, you know, so there are a lot of words like that in the Bible that, and especially a lot of names uh, in the Bible that we pronounce from a more oaky sort of way of pronouncing them, which has nothing to do, doesn't sound anything at all like the Babylonian or the or the Hebrew or the Aramaic way of saying that particular name.
0: So it wouldn't be wrong to say Yahweh Shalom. No, it would not be wrong or at all. Or Yahweh Nisi. Right, right um, Exactly.
1: Uh, that's exactly right yeah
2: i think it's just the fact that in we have the septuagint right which would be the greek translation right of the old testament then you have the latin then you have the english and we just now use the um the the greek or the that translation jehovah rather than saying yahweh
1: Uh, that that's exactly right so uh In fact, and even in your Bible today, most of our translations of the Bible, the English Bible the modern translations are not going to use the term Yahweh or Jehovah. They're just going to use the word Lord in four capitals. Mm-hmm. So we've shared this before, but just as a reminder, whenever you see the word Lord and with four capital letters, you just know that by the Bible translators substituted that word Lord for the tetragram name of God, Yahweh. When you see Lord with only a capital L and the others are four, lowercase mm-hmm. letters that's usually the term adonai when you see the word god that's usually the a substitution for the word elohim mm-hmm. so um, you know so te- you know translators just had to come up with a way of being able to take these hebrew names and give them put them in a way that non hebrew speakers could pronounce them and
0: say them and they're actually giving us clues that's correct did, which is helpful. So thankful for that. Thankful for the people who do all that work. I'm um, thankful for Randy. I am it's thankful like for Randy. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad people are asking these kinds of questions because it, it really is essential to understanding as you read your scriptures to know what is that word when it says, mm-hmm. the word. what, what word is being translated? It's In good. what seminary did you go to uh, Randy? <laughs> South western baptist theological seminary it's it's really the premier of the of the baptist <laughs> the, seminaries. Crown yeah, the crown jewel it's the crown jewel it's the crown jewel yeah just wanted to get that out there folks yep, that's right
0: <laughs> yeah i'm glad i'm glad there's no uh, yeah there's no uh <laughs> <laughs> in case you're rivalry okay not,
1: uh, not all of us at this table had the privilege of going <laughs> to the better <laughs> of the seminaries and,
0: I'm not even gonna. I'm not. I mean, I'm being baited right now, but I'm not gonna bite. Okay, here we go. Thanks, Jeremy Johnson. Despite the last comment, for producing this podcast. Thanks to you guys who make time to listen wherever you are and whenever that is. And remember, you can you can subscribe or you can rate or you can share uh, this episode or the whole thing, and that might help someone else find it too. And big time, please remember. Uh, Until next time, that the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions.